You're listening to Surviving Multiples with your host, Jordan Pettigrew. Hey guys, thanks for joining in to another episode of Surviving Multiples. As today, we're going to talk about the NICU journey that we went on with the triplets, and I'll give a little bit of um, background on what that was like. Um, we also spent time in the NICU with Maddox, so I kind of have a like dual perspective on that. And then I'll go into you know those first few weeks at home and some just things that you need to know if you are either in that season or you know you're going to be in that season in life. Or like I said, if like you know you're someone listening and you have somebody who you want to help out with um, who is like having a baby in the NICU, um, this can really be beneficial for you. And then we'll, you know, talk about, um, those first few weeks home with babies. And, um, I'll give you like the perspective from multiples, but, um, some of the tips and tricks that we learned can definitely be helpful to you. Even if you're just having, you know, one baby or as, um, we in the multiple worlds like to call it a singleton. So, um, thank you for joining us. Uh, and please, uh, go follow us, um, on Spotify or Instagram if you haven't. Um, I'm going to put the links to this um, on this episode to our YouTube, to our Spotify, to uh, my Instagram, Facebook, that kind of stuff. So that way you can kind of keep following us on all those platforms. So with the triplets, we obviously knew there was, you know, a pretty distinct possibility that they were going to be staying in the NICU. Um, With Maddox, it was a big surprise. You know, that was not something we were expecting at all. When he was born, um, he had a pretty traumatic delivery. He was uh, face up. And so he got stuck in the birth canal for a while. And then he had um, lots of bruising when he was born. And then I... um, pretty sure I had gestational diabetes. Like I was never diagnosed with it, but I had really like all the symptoms. And so he had low blood sugar and was just like super lethargic when born. So he was, um, not able to eat properly. And as a result, you know, like that blood sugar just kept dropping, kept dropping. So anyways, he, um, had to go to the NICU for a minimum of three days just to monitor that blood sugar, get him eating properly. Cause he was, you know, not wanting to take a bottle, nothing. And then he, um, ended up getting released after three days. So it was nice cause we did not have to leave the hospital without him. We were able to stay those three days. And then the hospital that we had him at even actually had a room. If we had had to stay a little bit longer that we could have like stayed in temporarily, um, just to kind of be with him and everything. So that was super nice. Um, with the triplets though, uh, with my C-section, I was able to stay up to five days. The insurance was going to pay for Um, but after three, I was just like going stir crazy. Maddox was at home. Um, his birthday was coming up. So I was really wanting to get back home and not have to, um, be stuck in the hospital because if you have ever had a baby and been in the hospital, you know that you are not getting, um, any kind of rest while you're in the hospital. So I, um, uh, had the babies. And like I said, in the last episode, I got to go see them, you know, that evening, even though I was on the magnesium drip 
And um, once I got off that magnesium drip, I was able to move to a room like over in the mother baby section. And so that was super nice um, as I was able to not have to be in like that labor and delivery room anymore because it was a lot farther away from the NICU. So thankfully with the new room and um, being off the magnesium drip, um, I was able to go see the babies pretty much as much as I wanted. The only time that we were not allowed in was during shift change, which was um, pretty much 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. So we just had to work around those times. And then I had to um, be monitored like with my blood pressure and do like all my, like make sure I was staying on top of my medicine. So we would typically, you know, go over to the NICU for a while, go back that way. We could either get something to eat, they could, you know, check my vitals, I could pump, and then we would go back. And so um, I was, you know, going in my wheelchair at first, but then shortly into our stay, there was like a shortage of wheelchairs in the hospital. And so that was when I really just was like, okay, I've got to start walking. So pretty much like day two, I was walking back and forth to the NICU, which was good because it was getting me up and moving. And that's really the best thing when you've had a C-section. So um, they were all right next to each other in the NICU. Um, or Madeline and Brooks were like literally directly next to each other. But Carson was kind of diagonal from them just because he had to have a certain bed that um, kind of like enclosed. Around, they were all three at first in beds that were enclosed around them. But Carson had a little bit fancier one that um, like had this like way that it would like this mechanism that would move the top up when it opened. It was, it was crazy looking, but um, he was on a CPAP. Um, which him and Madeline both were when they were first born, but Madeline didn't have to stay on it very long. Um, and then Brooks actually was on room air the whole time, never had any issue. But um, I, you know, I said I got to hold, you know, Madeline and I got to hold um, Brooks um, shortly after their birth. I thankfully didn't have to wait too long, but I didn't get to hold Carson um, the first day, which was really hard. And, um, so that was, you know, kind of sad because he had that CPAP one and he just was not stable enough, um, to be held. So like I said, Madeline Carson had to have the CPAP to help with breathing first. Brooks, you know, like I said, didn't require assistance, but even though Madeline had the CPAP, she was not like trying to grab at it and like rip it off. Like Carson was, it's kind of funny like with his personality. He's like very headstrong, very, um, just like persistent like if you tell him to stop doing something he will keep doing it and it was funny like how that personality was already coming out even as a newborn because it's like he would have that thing and he would try he would like literally rip it off as a newborn and i'd have to like call back in the respiratory therapist to come put it back on and um so those first few days watching him it was pitiful because he looked so uncomfortable and his breathing was so labored like when he would take an inhale it just was like his whole chest and whole body was just like trying to like work to make those lungs you know just open and contract and it was it was just heartbreaking so i didn't get to hold him until later on in the second day um which was like i said hard because i worried about like okay he didn't get that skin to skin you know, for so long. Um, but thankfully, like now with him, he is like the biggest cuddle bear. So obviously that didn't have any impact on him. So if you're somebody who's having a baby and you're concerned because like maybe 
you're not getting to hold your baby right away as soon as they're born. Like, I do not think that has any impact on them long term because all three of my children um, that were born, like with Maddox, I got to hold him, you know, right away and everything. But with the three triplets, like I didn't get to hold them right away and they were perfectly fine. Like they're, they're all, they all love to be held. They all love to be cuddled. So I really do not think that plays any role in that. So if you had that like guilt, don't let that happen. Um, so anyways, when he, I finally did get told Carson, it was like his breathing just like, just calmed down. It was like, he like kind of melted into me and it was crazy because, you know, they had like the oxygen monitor, the, um, like the heart, uh, the heart rate monitor. Um, there was one other one. Oh, it was like the, um, there was like three monitors. So you've got, and they're like constantly going and I'll like never forget. Like, even if I still watch videos of people who have babies in the NICU and I hear that sound of like the alarm going off and like either a reading's not right or maybe like really there is like an issue and like the baby's having issues like breathing or whatever. It like just makes my heart stop because you were constantly worried that your baby's like oxygen was not going to be good or their heart rate was going to be too high or like the blood oxygen level was going to be off and it just you're constantly watching those numbers. But when Carson, I finally got to hold, held him, he just like everything like just leveled out, like his heart rate calmed down, his breathing rate improved, his oxygen rate was perfect. Like it was just crazy how it's like, he just knew that's where he's supposed to be. So um, when we got in like the next day um, to the NICU, so this was like day three, um, he, we walk in and like immediately, like the nurse comes running over to me and she's like, Hey, um, she's like, I just wanted to let you know, like that they're going to give Carson some medicine for his lungs and it's called surfactant. And it pretty much like is to help the little, um, again, not a medical person, but it's like our lungs have almost like those little like finger looking things that, um, develop when you were in your mom's womb and his obviously were had not gotten like the full development that they needed and the surfactant was going to help them develop and help them to like when they filled up with air to like do the right thing so anyways they were gonna have to give him that medicine and it they literally have to like take a like a, what looks like a metal tube and put it down their throat into their lungs and it I guess like sprays in there but it's obviously very upsetting to like see. So they were like, you know, they're about to do that. Like we want to let you know. And that was heartbreaking because like he obviously can't cry. He's got something down his throat whenever they're doing this. And then like, as soon as he got done, he's just screaming. And then I really came and hold him right away because he's on that CPAP and they don't want to like distress him too much, like moving him around. And it's like a lot of work with that CPAP to like move them and all the leads and so that was heartbreaking because I was like, here he is like so upset and crying and I can't even comfort him. And then on top of that, like when you go into the NICU, they tell you like, Hey, like obviously you want to hold your baby, but anybody who's had a baby, you know, like when they're first born, they're real sensitive and they were even more sensitive because they were preemies. And so like, you know, you're skin and all that stuff is like kind of finishing the developing stages in those last few weeks well they didn't get that and so it was like they like a touch to them could almost cause them pain and so like you had to be careful how much you held them like how you did hold them like all that kinds of stuff 
So like, it was like, I couldn't really comfort him besides just going over and just talking to him and telling him it's okay. Cause obviously he recognized my voice. Um, so after they did that medicine though, it was amazing. Like the improvements he started making because they told me that like, we're going to do the medicine and we'll know like if it's something like where it was like, Hey, as long as you need a little bit longer to develop or if it's like an infection, because he was not really getting better on the CPAP and I truly think like in my heart, like that they've made the right decision on this, but they're, they were trying to decide, okay, are we going to take him from the CPAP to the cannula, which is like the cannula is what goes in their nose. Um, and that's what they did with Madeline. Like she did CPAP, the cannula then went to room air and she did great. But with Carson, they were like, you know what? Like, we're going to try, take him off the CPAP and just go straight to room air. And it was like when they did that with him, it was like he just flourished. Like, he did not want anything in his nose. And I really think a lot of his, like, issues with breathing and all that stuff was coming from that he felt like that thing was on his face and he wanted to get it off. And he once that happened, he was able to change the type of bed he was in because he was over the four pounds. He was regulating his temperature. Like, he was, he just, like, flourished. Like, he was the last one to get a bottle. And, buddy, he took off, drank that bottle, and he ended up being the first one to go home. So it was crazy because he was what I felt like so behind. And one of the big things they told me was with triplets or even multiples and just your kids in general, you can't compare how they're doing. But with multiples, it's very hard because you see one doing one thing and they're like, why is the other one not doing that? Or in this instance, like why was Brooks on room air, but the other two aren't, you know, he's the smallest. Like technically I would have thought he would have been doing the worst of the three. And then you get to like when it comes time to eat and the one who's the biggest, who was Madeline, actually was the worst eater. So it was just like, it was really weird, like some of the expectations I had and things I thought they would do that they didn't do. And so that was like a good lesson right there, like just from day one, like don't compare how one's doing to the next. So anyways, like I said, um, you know. Carson to start with, like, you know, was behind all the others in his progress and stuff. Um, they did all have minor jaundice, um, except for Brooks. He didn't have really any jaundice that he dealt with. But, I mean, three out of my four kids dealt with jaundice. I mean, so that I feel like is just something that is just a very common thing with babies. You know, like my dad, when he was a baby, almost had to have a blood transfusion from having such bad jaundice. Um, but they had you know minor jaundice thankfully none of them had issues with blood sugar like Maddox um and like I said Brooks um was actually um the first to take a bottle and then Madeline also took a bottle like really close after so then them two were taking bottles really well and um we were originally told to expect the babies to come home at different times so like I said like a few minutes ago my mind, I really expected that Madeline would come home first just because um, even though Brooks was eating first and he was on room air, like there was always a checklist of like things that they needed to do, like kind of to give us. And the doctors would rotate daily and tell us like, okay, um, you know, like, and it was nice because it was like a team of doctors and they would literally come around and like talk to you about each baby. And it was amazing, like how they these people who had so much going on and so many people to take care of, they were so good at, you know, like talking with you and taking their time to talk to you and giving you details and letting you ask questions. So it was always 
really important for us to be there when they were making their rotation. So if you are someone who is having a baby in the NICU, like that is if you can be there during those rotations, it really helps you to be aware of like the care um, that your children are getting and like what they need and, you know, like kind of what progress they need to make to continue on, um, and get home. So anyways, so Madeline was taking the bottle. She was on the room air. They had to be on room air to take the bottle. Um, and then, um, let's see what else they're like. They're obviously their OT had to be a certain, their heart rate had to be a certain amount too, because if it was too high, like, and they were trying to drink the bottle, that could mess things up. Um, and then, um, so I thought in my head, I was like, okay, Madeline come in first, then probably Brooks. We had to wait for Brooks to get up to four pounds. So that was because he had to be able to get in the car seat and the car seats only go down to four pounds. So then I had to Brooks to get to four pounds. And then I figured Carson, when he's on the CPAP, he'll, he'll drink the bottle last. He'll probably go home last. But like I said, when Carson got um, off the CPAP, just started taking to the bottle. Amazing. So like I said, to come home, the babies had to be at least four pounds and they had to be eating 85% of their daily value of intake of milk from bottles. Now Carson was taking a hundred percent. Like it was amazing. Um, I was also trying to breastfeed, but I was not as concerned about that just because I knew that they, I wanted to get them home. So I was working with lactation, um, at our hospital and they were great because, um, they were, you know, helping me like with giving me tips on, you know, breastfeeding, but also like with pumping. And I know I've heard from a lot of moms who, um, decide to go like the exclusively pumping route that sometimes they get like some flack back that, you know, pumping's not the same or their like lactation doesn't seem to be as supportive of it, but they were, you know, super supportive. They were of the same philosophy. It was like, you know, that a fed baby is, you know, a happy baby, that's the best thing for the baby. So like I said, to get the babies home, um, we had to do, get them 85% of their feeds had to come from, uh, or we had to be able to like track 85% of their feeds. So the hard part with breastfeeding was, is you don't know exactly how much they're getting. So that's why again, like my main goal was getting them to take a bottle and then we could work on like the actual latching and breastfeeding once they got home. So, um, I had, there was a set of twins actually next to us who the mom was like very adamant. She did not really want to do bottles. She wanted to breastfeed. And, um, it, I could tell like that they were taking a few steps back just because, um, they weren't able to track how much they were eating as much. And again, like, you know, they have to know when they send them home that they're eating what they're supposed to be and they're gaining weight. So to me, like that was something that I definitely had to just kind of know going into it that, it was, again, not going to be like a normal, just, you know, singular pregnancy with like one baby where um, you can, you know, be like, oh, I'm out of it. I'm going to breastfeed. So I think that if you're having multiples, like know that going into it. Um, I've had friends who do have twins and they were able to, you know, exclusively breastfeed. And that's amazing. But don't set yourself up. Um if you can't do that and like beat yourself up about it. And that goes for even just having one baby, you know, with Maddox, um, like I said, he had low blood sugar in the NICU, so he was not able to latch well, and he was just a lazy eater. We had trouble even just getting him to eat from a bottle, so nursing was obviously very difficult, 
and I exclusively pump for him. So I was already, you know, used to that. So doing that for the triplets was fine. I just didn't think that I would produce enough milk, but shockingly, I mean, I got, they were able to, for at least the first six months, have pretty much exclusively breast milk. Um, and so that was, you know, a huge blessing, but, um, anyways, uh, so moving on from that, um, and with the whole, you know, breast milk thing, um, we did get, like I said, the donor breast milk in the hospital and, um, one company that I, um, am a huge proponent of is, um, it's called Prolacta and it's Prolacta Bioscience. And if you are somebody who is breastfeeding and you have a surplus of breast milk, um, sometimes this is kind of like a frowned upon topic, but, um, they actually will compensate you if you donate your breast milk to them. Now, of course, it's nowhere near, um, what a lot of people sell their breast milk online for. This is more just compensating you for, uh, the expense that, you know, breastfeeding is because, you know, obviously a pump, a breast pump, you do have insurance that covers that a lot of times, but I mean, you've got the electricity, you've got your time you're taking, you've got the milk bags that you're, you know, um, providing, you've got, um, the, you know, the washing of all the parts, you have to have a sanitizer. Anyways, if you're somebody who has an excess of breast milk and you're looking for a way to like kind of give back, that's a wonderful company. Um, and I highly recommend them. And if you have like questions about that, you can reach out. But like I said, um, I was very much wanting to like give back some breast milk since my babies had taken some. And so there's a lot of resources out there if you do have excess, because there's lots of babies who need that, especially babies in the NICU. Um, so that was something that I was, you know, really passionate about finding. And I think that's something that like, that's not super talked about. Um, but uh, like if you can get back, like I said, like we had some friends, their baby needed some breast milk. And so, um, I was able to. So another, um, thing with the NICU stay is that, you know, a lot of times now people get like photos done of their babies as soon as they're born, um, or have like a photographer come to the hospital, which I think when COVID started that kind of like, you know, stopped, um, as much, but I really wanted a lot of photos of the triplets and for me like trying to take them on my phone that was fun but you know I also was like trying to recover I'm trying to you know pump I'm trying to like take care of all three of them because they did start you know having us like start doing the diaper changes and taking their temperature and you know recording the stuff so that we were like getting ready for when they came home you know what we were doing um but thankfully the hospital had a on-site photography group that would come in and do photos. So if you are going to have um, your baby in the NICU um, or at the hospital, that is a great option, and, you know, especially post-COVID. Um, and they came by and they did um, pictures. Like if the babies had been there longer, they would have done pictures periodically. But um, they did pictures, you know, um, when they first, you know, right after they were born. And then they did some um, as each baby was leaving. So that was really cool because we had, um, those photos. And so those are really special to us. So, um, like I said, Carson took off like a champ eating and he ended up coming home at 12 days after being in the NICU. So he got, you know, that kind of undivided attention for 24 hours. And it's really funny because they were like, Oh, you're going to spoil, spoil him. Like, you know, 
um, because we knew that most likely, you know, that uh, Madeline was coming home the next day. And so, uh, it was funny because they were like, yeah, you're gonna, you're gonna end up spoiling him. Like, you know, not 24 hours. I'm like, oh no, whatever. But Carson is like, even to this day, like our cuddle bug, he loves to cuddle. So I always like joke around. It's because he got that, you know, 24 hours of like everybody just like loving on him. Um, so anyways, that night when we got Carson home, like I said, we knew that as long as Madeline kept doing good on her feeds, that she was going to get to come home. Well, we figured, you know, Brooks is going to probably have to stay another day or two, but, um, he had been doing really good on his feeds, but like I said, like, you know, his weight, he'd had to get up to over four pounds. And so they were kind of like, mm, I don't know. Well, we got a call that night whenever we were at home and they were like, Hey, cause it was one of our wonderful nurses. They're like, Hey, when you come in tomorrow, go ahead and bring both car seats because Brooks is going to get to go home too. So that was so exciting because for us trying to figure out how are we going to, um, you know, have a baby at home, Maddox at home, then when we thought Madeline was coming home, we're like, okay, we're gonna have two babies at home, one at the hospital. Like I was trying to figure out how am I going to be in all these places at one time. And I didn't want to leave Brooks by himself at the hospital, but also didn't want to leave the other two that I just brought home alone. And I'm like, I can't be in one place, you know, two multiple places at one time. So, um, I was like, how do I do this? And, you know, with Clay's work schedule, he didn't want to, you know, take off a bunch of time until, um, if his paternity leave until everybody was home. So that was just a huge blessing from God that they literally all came home within a day for, of each other. Um, so, you know, just a little bit more about, you know, the NICU stay and kind of how to prep yourself for that. Um, I will say, you know, the biggest, um, thing is just making sure, especially if you have other children that you have, um, you know, care in place for them because, Maddox obviously was not able to come to the hospital or come to the NICU. Um, I do know that in some cases for very long-term stays of children that some hospitals do make exceptions for the sibling to be able to come in and like see their, their, um, their sibling. But, um, you know, that was a big thing with us is like making sure that we were still giving Maddox attention because we were at the hospital a long portion of our day. And so, um, and his birthday actually fell, um, on, like the, let's see, their, their birthdays, Maddox was born April 22nd and they're the 16th. So, you know, it was six days after they were born. And so, um, on the day of his birthday, we, you know, tried to still go to the hospital for a little while, but give the majority of the day to Maddox just because that was, you know, he doesn't understand. Um, and he was already trying to get used to, Ham hey, sharing, um, with my pa- my parents, with these siblings that I've never even met, you know, and so that was hard for him because we're showing him pictures, but that's not, you know, the same. So just making sure that you're still, you know, obviously thinking about your other children, which of course, you know, everybody wants to, it's just hard in the moment. And then, um, another thing is just, you know, preparing yourself for what you're going to see. I mean, even if it's not with your own children, but just with, um, walking into the NICU and, um, just the sounds and the smells and the just, 
you know, when you first walk in, you walk over to, you know, sanitize yourself. And that's a huge thing, like cleaning your fingers and Mm -hmm. just the normal hand washing that we do on a day-to-day basis is nowhere as intense as what they're wanting you to do when you walk in. And, And even like, we had to clean off our phones and, you know, if you were going to touch your phone, then you need to go re-sanitize your hands. There's a whole process. And just when you're standing there and reading those signs about like how important it is to make sure you're clean because you you have these babies with these suppressed immune systems and then you're walking through and you hear alarms going off and, you know, even if it's not your baby, it's just really hard. And then like seeing the babies who, um, like when, especially when and when the triplets were first born and they were in the critical section before they got moved to you know the pods where the babies are about to go home you would see babies who've been in there you know 80 90 days and that's hard or seeing the babies who are born who are drug babies and they're having to sit there and just constantly shake them because you know they're trying to withdraw that's very hard to prepare for or seeing the babies that nobody's visiting you know that's another thing that just rips out your heart you know I would be there 90% of the day at times and there were babies at the whole 12 13 days we were there nobody came to see um so that's really hard and um there thankfully were they were able to start it back but again during COVID they had to stop but it was a, a program called the cuddlers and so they would come in and volunteer their time to help care for the babies like provide like you know their baths or help you know just provide like their care like changing them or taking their temperatures you know same thing kind of the parents could do and then they also would hold the babies and So I'm so thankful things like that are in place. And if you're somebody who's, you know, looking for a volunteer opportunity, reach out to your local hospitals and see if they have something like that, because that was so important for those babies, you know, just getting um, touching that wasn't touching that was like medical, you know, like that was loving touch. Not that the nurses aren't doing that, but the nurses have a lot going on. And so that was important. But um, another thing that was just you know, something was how I was so impressed with the nurses and their um, care and their love for these babies. I did not have, I mean, we, we only had one nurse that we weren't like head over heels in love with. She was just, you know, a little more, she was older. She'd been doing it a long time, probably kind of near her time to retire. And she just was like very opinionated with like, well, this is what you need to do. And she had had twins. So she kind of felt like she could just tell us what to do with multiples and um, you know, hey, she did give us some good advice, but so it was, you know, she wasn't maybe as caring or as compassionate as I felt like all the others were. But like I said, those nurses are angels. The stuff that they see and the care that they have for those babies is unbelievable. Um, so again, you know, just kind of prepare if, if you know, that's where you're going, um, definitely, you know, kind of prepare your heart, prepare your mind. You'll still, you're still never going to be fully prepared for it. If it's something that happens to you um, unexpectedly, then know you're not alone. Um, reach out to those around you. That was so helpful to me was having other moms who were there for me and like, hey, listen, like, you know, I know this person or I can help you in this way or I'm going to send you, um, you know, money for a coffee or, you know, like I said earlier about the mill train, we had the mill train set up. So the whole time we were at the hospital, we didn't have to worry about food. Um, then whenever the babies even came home, we didn't have to worry about food. We'd have to worry about food for probably the first month that the babies were born. And that was huge because when you're 
feeding and changing diapers, the babies were waking up every two to three hours. So we, with one, okay, yeah, that's, you know, still a lot, but when you've got three and you can only feed, you know, two at a time and you're trying to, you know, figure out how you're going to feed the third one, you got diapers to change, you know, that's, you, you look and it's an hour and a half in and you're like, oh my goodness, we're doing this again another hour and a half. So, um, obviously, cooking is not really something you have time for. Then you've got laundry times three. You've got another child to care for. So, you know, definitely reach out for help. We had, thankfully, Clay's mom came and stayed with us for the first few weeks. And that was a huge help um, because we, you know, needed help with the babies. We needed help with Maddox. We needed help with just different things. And then, um, you know, we had people coming and visiting. Um, But again, like I said, they were born during a very high flu COVID RSV season. So I was very hesitant to let people come in. Um, we had family members who didn't even meet them in person for the first two to three months, just because I was very scared. Um, Maddox did not do the rest of his school. Um, really that year he, because we, again, every time we'd go to the pediatrician, they would tell us how much, um, you know, the, how the RSV cases were and everything like that. So, um, But you just have to figure out what works for you and what works for your family. But do not be afraid to ask for help. That was the hardest thing I've had to learn about having multiples is asking for help. Because, again, I just want to be able to do it on my own. But that just isn't always realistic. And for the best care for your kids, you do have to have help. So don't be afraid to do that. So one more thing that I kind of wanted to talk about before I end this episode and kind of wrap it up um, is that I wanted to kind of give you some things that might be helpful to you um, with bringing home multiples or even bringing home one, you know, whatever, um, just bringing home a baby in general. So especially with multiples, we um, had three mini cribs because I knew that um they were going to have to be able to sleep in their room. And as much as I love a bassinet, a lot of times when you put a baby in a bassinet, that prevents them from transitioning to their crib well because they are used to the way the mattress and the bassinet feels. And then when you put them on their crib mattress, it feels differently and they know the difference. And so um, we had three mini cribs because I knew they needed to start off in their cribs so they stayed in their cribs. And so... They started off in our bedroom in those three mini cribs and we just kind of lined them up. And then um, once they were able to, like I said, wear their outlets, then I knew, okay, like we can move them into their room. So that's definitely something, I mean, I've mentioned this before already, but uh, the three mini cribs are very important. Um, And, you know, you can get this on Amazon. Um, Just make sure when you get the mini cribs that you get the mini crib mattresses and mini crib sheets to go alongside that. And then know whenever you start looking, if you're going to transition them, your children into a toddler bed, that you realize your toddler mattress or your mattress won't fit the toddler bed. So like we're about to transition the triplets in a few months to um, like they're going to take off the front of their mini crib so that it will make it kind of like a sort of toddler bed. Um, Sleep sacks have been huge for my children. They're still wearing sleep sack at 21 months old um, because their room is one of the colder rooms in our house. And so um, that is 
keeps them warm. It makes them just comfortable to sleep in. They actually fight me every night putting on, but once they're in it, they sleep amazing. Um, the Owlets, like I said, are wonderful. I've mentioned that already, but in the episode, but Owlet, if you can find one, those are they just make you sleep easier. Um, we even used it with Brooks um, whenever he had his peanut allergy and had his anaphylactic because I was able to monitor his oxygen saturation and that was very helpful. Um, it also helps, you know, like if they're sick later in life. I actually got rid of mine when the triplets were about 15 months old and I wish I'd held on to it because um, when we got pneumonia a few months ago, I would have loved to have been able to check their oxygen saturation better because we had a pulse ox, but it was so big on them that I couldn't really tell if it was reading me reading accurately. Um, he another thing like for later on down the road is if you're having multiples, like I said, big playpen. Um, we bought the ones off Amazon and put multiple of the playpens together, and that is a huge thing that you want. Um. You're going to need about a thousand bottles. <laughs> no, um, just kidding. But seriously, we probably had like 36 Dr. Brown bottles. Um, the Dr. Browns I have a love-hate relationship with because the inserts drive me crazy, but they seem to be the best. We still, to this day, at 21 months old, have them where they're drinking from a Dr. Brown's bottle right before they go to bed at night. And I cannot break them from that. And... I'm sure that like all the dentists and orthodontists out there are going to be like, what in the world? But, um, they still love their one bottle a night. And so I'm just like, okay, this, if they're, they're sleeping through the night right now. So I'm not going to fight it right now. The formula pro, I might've already mentioned this as well, but the, um, formula pro is amazing. Um, it makes life so much easier when you do have to use formula because it, mixes it exactly to the consistency it's supposed to be is like the ready-made ones and it is fast and you don't have to worry about like I said if it's measured correctly which with little ones especially preemies you want to make sure it's mixed correctly it can warm it um we didn't want it warm because we didn't want to have to when if we've left places to have to be trying to warm up bottles but it is amazing like it's like the Keurig for formula and then a um, sterilizer you will need if you have a preemie. Um, I didn't know that with Maddox, but um, which he wasn't preemie, but really NICU babies need their bottles sterilized. And definitely preemies, they need their bottles sterilized at least once a day. Um, so that was a huge, huge thing. Um, another thing is you're going to want lots of diapers. Um, and we, like I said, we're very blessed that people gave us lots of diapers. I mean, we made it to like 15 months without having to buy diapers. But um, one of my friends who has twins, her mom actually for her baby shower gift told her that she would purchase their diapers for the whole span of her twin daughter's um, life. And so I was like, that's amazing. That's an awesome. If you have like a family member who's wanting to get you a big gift, that would be an awesome gift. And she said, you know, like just whenever they're needing more diapers, she just calls her mom and like her mom sends it from Amazon or, you know, Walmart pickup. And so that's like, that was their big gift. And I was like, that is such a great idea because now she doesn't have, that's not something she has to worry about. Of course, wipes as well. We have tried tons of different wipes and my children are very sensitive to wipes but the ones we like the best are the Amazon basics they are like a purple it's a purple package 
you get like 900 wipes for $14. They're amazing. We love them. We've tried literally probably every ones out there that you can find. Um, diapers, we really just like the parent choice ones. Um, they even have a parent choice nighttime now. Those are fabulous diapers. Um, another thing you're going to want is, obviously, I've talked about my Zoe stroller. Um, and then the Wonderfold wagon is a huge um, thing in the multiples community. It's very heavy. Um, I would not recommend. I, the hard part is some people are like, which one do you get? The Zoe stroller or the Wonderfold? And the, I feel like you need both, unfortunately. And Clay gets one to me all the time because he's like, we have so many strollers. But when they're first born, you need really the baby trend that you can pop the Chico or whatever small car seat you get that can go down to four pounds. Um, but you're going to need one like that for when they're an infant that is, and there's a hack that you can do with big, these big lanyards so that you can, um, use the baby trend with three car seats and you just have to type the baby trend three car seat hack in and it will pop up in Google, but you need that one. Then you really need the Zoe triple stroller because it is lightweight. It's easy to load. It is easy to get through doorways. It has a good turning radius. That one's fabulous. But then the Wonderfold is great for situations where you want them to be up a little bit higher and be able to see stuff. Like when we went to the aquarium the other day, we took the Wonderfold because it was easier for them to be able to see everything. And it, I feel like it's not as wide when we're going through places. And so they they really have their own purpose for depending upon what you're doing. And like if Clay is with us, the Wonderful is a great option because it's easier to load with two people. And it's, you know, he's, he's able to help me. It's harder to load the children into the Wonderful. The Zoe is really fast. And if I'm, I'm on my own, I'm going to pick the Zoe stroller. Um, but unfortunately, I feel like both of them are definitely needed. And they're both pretty expensive. I mean, the prices on those are definitely high. But <clears throat> that's something that maybe you can, you know, like I said, put on your registry. Um, Amazon does have the registry completion coupon that you get. And it's 20% off. And so you can save for those big ticket items. Um... So another thing is a good breast pump. I had the Medela with Maddox and I liked it. Um, but um, I think it was the Medela Freestyle. But then with the triplets, I've had the Spectra and I have really liked that one. I'd probably, I would recommend the Spectra because it's a closed system. So you don't have to worry about you know, like milk getting backed up into it and all those issues. Um, I did have a Willow, or not Willow, an LV for while I was working. Um, and if you're going to be working, then having a hands-free pump is super important. Um, another thing, like I said, you know, the mill train, we only did one bathtub just because, um, you're not realistically going to be able to put them in the bath with all of them until they're much older and sitting up very safely because I cannot tell you how many times even when they were sitting up and I knew they could sit well that one would still fall over and when you have multiples in the tub they knock each other over <clears throat> and so bath safety is super important but I would just very much just bathe them one at a time until you know for sure they are sitting you know, well, and with three, if you did three bathtubs and had all three in, I just don't feel like you would be able to keep your eyes on them 
as well as you would want to. Um, and then the triplet table we got, if you, if you've ever seen any of my posts, it's like the, it looks like a day hair table. It's got three seats inside of it, inside a table. And as much as I like the theory and the idea of it, and it's great when they first are starting to like eat and, you know, not as big, but now that they're 20 months old, they are going after each other's food, they hit each other, they climb out of it, like, if I had it to do over again, even though I'm not a huge fan of high chairs, I would have done three high chairs, because this is just, it's too much, them all being able to reach each other, now, I did see another triplet mom who had bought an older table off of Marketplace, she had her husband cut the holes, got the insert, the seat insert, and did it so that they were far enough away from each other, that they couldn't, you know, reach and grab each other's food and still food and hit. And that's a great idea if you have the, the means to do something like that. So, um, that's something that I, like I said, I would, you know, probably pass on and just go, you know, the, um, the high chair route instead. So those are, um, a few things. Another thing is boffies. Um, they did recall the boppy loungers, which it were great, but a boppy, if you're having twins, the twin Z pillow is supposed to be amazing. If you are pumping, a good hands-free pumping bra is super important. Um, I listed some like, you know, the postpartum stuff you want. Um, so those are, you know, obviously very important. Um, we didn't really use, like I said, a bottle warmer, just didn't need that. Um, you know, a good diaper bag, since you're gonna have multiples, I recommend backpacks. Those are important. Um, you know, those are just a few things, a car mirror, so you can see them with multiples. Um, you're probably gonna need a van with multiples. I just don't see any other way around it, unfortunately. Um, yes, some of the bigger, like, SUVs are great, but it's still, like, the magic seats and the vans and the sliding doors. It just makes it so much easier. So that's kind of like a short, quick guide. <clears throat> On my next episode, I'm hoping that I can um, get, I've talked to some other multiple moms who are wanting to, you know, either join in on a few of the episodes or give some of their feedback. So I'm going to ask them some of their most, you know, used and loved items and then some of their advice for other moms who are having multiples or triplets or just having a baby in general. So I appreciate you for listening on our NICU story and kind of like, you know, the few days after birth. And um, then, you know, I just thank you so much for following along and listening and continuing, you know, just to share and be supportive of this podcast. And <coughs> sorry again that it took me so long to get out. Uh, like I said, we had the new year, we had holidays, we had been you know, had, you know, some sickness going on. We had, um, the other day I was chasing one of my triplets at the jump park and I fell on the trampoline while running after them and sprained my ankle really badly, potentially a little hairline fracture, and I'm still recovering from that. So that was definitely a big hiccup with having multiples. Um, we are planning a trip, with Maddox for February, um, God willing, everything will work out. Um, so 
We are going to be leaving the triplets with family while we take Maddox on this trip. And so we're super excited to get that one-on-one time with Maddox. But um, I'm hoping to kind of give you some, like, a guide to, like, you know, taking a trip away with one of your kids and having to leave the other ones back. So um, those are a few things I kind of have planned for some of the next few episodes. Again, um, let me know again, like always, if there's anything you're interested in or any questions you have. And I hope that you have a wonderful and blessed day. And thanks for listening.